Live from the Business Radio X studio inside Renaissance Bank, the bank that specializes in understanding you. It's time for North Fulton Business Radio. And hello again, everyone. Welcome to another edition of North Fulton Business Radio. I'm John Ray, and folks, we are broadcasting from rainy Alpharetta today, but always inside Renaissance Bank uh, here on Main Street in Alpharetta. And if you are interested in banking with uh, a bank that got ranked by Forbes magazine as one of the top banks in the United States, top 10 actually, well, here they are, Renaissance Bank. And I think they won that award, got that rating uh, in that survey because they are big enough to handle pretty much any need you can throw at them as a business, but small enough to do it in a personal way. That's been my experience with Renaissance. And uh, if that's a uh, situation you're looking for for your business, go to renaissancebank.com to learn more and to be in touch. Renaissance Bank, understanding you, member FDIC. And now I want to welcome an old friend, a return guest, Monique Mills. She's with TPM Focus. She's the CEO and Chief Innovation Strategist. Monique, welcome. Thank you for having me again, John. Yeah, it's a pleasure to have you back. <laughs> uh, you you came uh, first time on the show was in the pandemic, mm-hmm. so it's great to be sitting across the table from each other. Mm-hmm. Um, let's give everyone a little introduction to you and TPM Focus. How are you serving the market out there? Wow. Um, well, Again, um, and it's only a thirty-minute show, Monique. So. I know, right? Because <laughs> <laughs> you you do a lot, so I do, yeah. and that, that's because of my um, ongoing curiosity to learn and apply new things. Which I know that sounds kind of weird, uh, um, not weird, but nerdy. People would say, <laughs> um, but yeah. So um, yeah, I'm a degreed electrical engineer turned serial entrepreneur. I like to say that because. Um, I have started five companies now at this point, Mm. Um, but most of my career has been in electrical engineering Mm -hmm. in different capacities. And uh, so um, TPM Focus, since I'm a tech startup founder, uh, a previous one, uh, I work with those that are launching new innovations, Mm -hmm. um, innovators and entrepreneurs just trying to figure it out. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's my expertise. I align your sales, marketing, technology, and customer success with their financial goals. So um, I am focused on revenue. And if that is of importance to the company, then they reach out to me. But if, uh, if not just looking good, <laughs> doing pretty logos and pictures is what's most important. They probably wouldn't reach out to me until they start running out of money. Yeah, I get that. <laughs> um, <laughs> that means uh, everyone, every startup at some potential point, mm-hmm is uh in need of what you have to offer them yeah i would say so yeah yeah um let's talk about your career trajectory because one of the things that has always fascinated me about you as long as i've known you is just this mix that you have of this engineering background and this mind for marketing and and customer discovery because those two uh skill sets don't often go together, right? Right. So could be more different. Yeah. So talk about. I mean, why? Why? Why were you able to develop such a such a uh, expertise 
in in both areas. Yeah. Um, so one thing I, I'd like to point out sometimes, and sometimes I do share some of the things I create online, is that those people that are engineers, um, those that are in STEM, we actually have an artistic creative side to us. Mm. And some people actually, uh, you know, display that in developing code. It's an art form. Mm. Um, and so we have this creative side, this kind of quirky creative side. And for me, that's what allowed me to really pick up on um, concepts in marketing and how to kind of put it out there. Because number one, it just makes sense. Mm. Um Everything to me is just, uh, it has to be very rational. And I understand that people are not all the time. <laughs> oh, oh you, are they ever? <laughs> but uh, there's trends. There, there are very common characteristics on just how people are. Mm. And I've always been interested in that so much that when I was uh, doing my engineering degree, I actually did a minor in sociology and psychology. Oh, really? I did. Oh, wow. So I was, I was just, I'm just fascinated with how people think and, you know, like, who they are. I'm a, an observer of people. Mm-hmm. And marketing allows me to apply the concepts that I that I know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not the person to make, you know, pretty logos and things like that, but mm-hmm. I know how to make it make sense with the strategy, positioning, messaging, and how to get results from it. Right. You know, uh, I'm an equations person, right? Mm-hmm. right. So one plus one is going to equal two. Mm-hmm. And uh, I know it's hard for people to kind of see that in marketing, but somehow I've been able to accomplish that. Wow. Um, so why get into the consulting business? I want, I want to get into the details of that in a second. Mm-hmm. But, I mean, you founded five companies. I mean, this is mm-hmm. not um, – founding companies is something you do as a matter of course. <laughs> um, why consult with others as opposed to – do it yourself. Well, I would say that that okay. Well, I've done it myself. Well, that's what um, I mean. But it, but do it yeah. do it that full time. Yeah. Right. Even when I was doing it myself, it's so weird because I would keep getting pulled to help people, mm. even through people that were helping me. So um, I started my software company, my tech startup, when um, I was doing my MBA mm-hmm. at Georgia Tech. You know. Um, further along in my career. Right. And my professors would send people to me um, because I, I actually was one I would learn and implement. So that's when I started the company, the really the second company, I have a real estate company I've had before then. Mm-hmm. Um, but it was when I was in the MBA program. So I would learn, do, learn, do, learn, do. That's what I did in engineering and engineering. You learn a concept and then you in a lab implementing it. And that's mm. just what I do in my life. Mm-hmm. So that's why I ended up being five companies like, oh, I know how to do this. Let me do this. I know how to do that. Let me do this. Mm. And so um, um, with with that, it started being that people were getting sent to me. Uh, I would be in the Starbucks um, in Tech Square before class and people would stop in and say, hey, you know, can I meet with you? And I got a few questions and I'm like, OK, yeah, sure. It got to the point where they were coming every week. They wanted to spend the entire two hours I was there. And I just started charging. And it wasn't meant to turn into a consulting business. It was Mm -hmm. just like, well, I'm starting this tech startup. I've left my full-time job. This can help supplement some things. If I just start charging. So just randomly, I just made up a number and and said, well, you got to start paying. And people started showing up with cash, like cash. And I was like, wow. (laughs) Okay, well, I guess what I do have to say is helpful. Right. Um, 
But after I exited my software um, startup in 2017, I started just doing it full time. Like people would reach out and be like, hey, you know, I, I, the name of the company um, was the Party Match. It was a um, it was a uh, software for really space, underutilized space mm-hmm. um, and um, for retail. And people remembered me from that. Like, mm. you know, I, I was um, requested to a private casting of Shark Tank. Uh-huh. Um when um, Steve Case, the founder of AOL, came yeah, to town, sure. he he had me pitched to him. He asked me to meet with him, and he put me as one of the highlights of his trip. Oh, wow. Um, just different things where people are like, who is this person? Because mm-hmm. before then, I was just corporate. And, you know, when you do a startup, you have to put yourself out there. And mm-hmm. uh, as an engineer, I'm not really that comfortable with that. Um, but consulting is when I really am able to unleash. And people are like, whoa, like, Thanks so much. I didn't realize all of these different things because that relationship is one-on-one. Mm. And as an introvert, we actually really like one-on-one engagements, mm-hmm. uh, not big speaking, even though I do speaking engagements, but it really allows me to have an impact with people mm-hmm. using my experience in many different industries. So um, I, I, this one is weird. <laughs> I know most people are like, how did that connection? Well, I had um, a client reach, uh, well, a potential client reach out and they were um, wanting to do a business where they installed um, power generators mm-hmm. um, at retail locations. Now, remember, I have the retail um, technology background, right. but this person didn't know. I also used to build power plants for Siemens um, when I got out of college. <laughs> right. So, <laughs> so... <laughs> You are fascinating to me, I tell you. Yeah. So because of that background and I understand power production and, you know, he's like, I want to package it. So, I mean, he's multi-millions now. And yeah. 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 He has huge contracts where, uh-huh. um, but I, I also had um, experience in like power generation and all that. And he has some ideas on well, I want to install it on their roof so it doesn't look like, you know, anything. They, it, it won't make their location look any different. And I actually advised him against that because I have experience in construction. I used to actually build buildings for the state of Georgia, campuses, like commercial buildings. Mm. And so um, I told him, I said, you don't want to install anything on anybody's roof ever. The biggest repairs in commercial come from the HVAC mm. and roof leaks. Mm. And the last thing you want is to be responsible for a leaking roof, which is definitely going to happen because you're puncturing, you're penetrating the roof sure. with attaching the equipment. So we just like, how do you know all this stuff? <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I used to, I used to, I mean, I used to run hundred million dollar budgets for building businesses and then mm-hmm. with Siemens billion dollar projects. So it's a combination. It gives me the opportunity to take all of my experiences and like help someone move theirs forward versus just focusing singularly on my one industry, one business, one, one software. Mm-hmm. Um, and it actually helps me constantly feed my curiosity and learn new things and meet new people too. I, I love that part. Yeah. Wow. So you went straight from, well, not straight from Georgia Tech into a startup world. You were mm-hmm. in the startup world. Why are you at Georgia Tech? Mm-hmm. So let, let's be clear on that. But let's talk about that move for you and what you would recommend 
to young folks that are coming out, should they go to corporate first? Should they go ahead and hit the startup world like you did? I mean, what, what, what suggestions do you offer there? So I have a lovely um, founding team that were students at Georgia Tech, and I've met plenty of students there because I've helped out um, at their ATDC, Advanced Technology um, Center. And so this lovely young couple, uh, not couple, um, founder, um, founders, and they were interested in this upon graduation, started on this startup. Um, that is an excellent idea. And they asked me the same question. And um, my thing is, I don't like to tell people what to do, what not to do, because they're going to do what they want to do anyways. Yeah. Um, I just tell them from my experience, these are some things you're going to need. Mm. Right. And so um, founding a startup is not free. You need some money. Mm hmm. Um, you need to understand marketing. You need to understand sales. You need to have time. Um, you need to support yourself while you're building it. Um, uh, you need to grow a network of people who have money. Right now, you're around other 20-year-olds, and most of them don't have any. Yeah. Right? Um, you need to have some experience just really about life and, and develop some discernment about people. Mm-hmm. Um Entrepreneurship is the wild, wild west of careers. Uh, there's no HR. You can't report anyone for being inappropriate or not being professional. Uh, you have to be ready for our, how to handle all that stuff. And if you think that you're ready for all these different things, then so be it. If you're willing to take the chance, so be it. And, I, and my thing is, for, for young people, because um, I wasn't young when I started, I mean, to some people I probably was young, but I was in my 30s. And um, even then, I I was like taken aback. I was like, "Whoa! Like this is like crazy." Um, it causes you to, as if you're going to jump into it as a young person, to really learn a lot really fast. Hmm. And you know, I don't know. I don't want to say it's a good idea or a bad idea. I just want to say that at least if you do it when you're young, if you land on your feet when you're done, you've learned something, you've tried something new, um, and you still have the rest of your career to to do more things. But just right. know it's a lot of stuff you got to know and got to do. And it used to be that if you showed the corporate world you had this startup mentality or this entrepreneurial mentality that somehow disqualified you, right? And and that doesn't seem to be as much of the case anymore. Well, so listen to this. Yeah. So um, I'm on the board of this, um, this organization that's doing research with PhDs and asking entrepreneurs about their experience, why they started the company, you know, ones that have failed, one that are, ones that are still in business. And one of the questions they ask them is, how often, you know, have you ever thought about um, stopping the business and going back to corporate? Uh, 40% of the entrepreneurs say yes, all the time. Wow. And most of the ones I know, um, and I, I'm not going to tell you this. Okay, I guess I'm going to tell you this trend. People who reach out to me for free help within six months go back to corporate. Oh, Okay, so that's why I don't give free consultations because you're not really, really willing to invest in a business. Right. 
Okay. So I can see it on LinkedIn, right? They asked to connect with me, blah, blah, blah. And then I see, (laughs) I'm just, you know, I'm happy to announce I've started a new position as, yeah, because you weren't invested. Mm -hmm. Um, So let me get back to what I was saying. (laughs) I'm like, oh, the corporate. Right, right. So um, most of the people that I know who have um, been entrepreneurs, like just started being entrepreneurs within the first three years, four years, five, some even longer apply to corporate jobs all the time and totally get rejected all mm-hmm. the time. Mm. It's like corporate, those that are hiring are afraid to have that type of person in there. You're a powerful force. If you know how that business operates, you know how to help it make money, you know how to, you know, network you. And like, it, it really does scare, scare a lot of the folks that's in those hiring positions because they don't have the experience you have. Wow, even with labor shortage. As, as, John, I'm wow. trying to tell you. Wow, mm-hmm. that's amazing. They don't want you in there. They don't want you in there. Uh, no wonder we've got such problems in corporate America. Okay, so <laughs> <laughs> that editorial aside. Um, well, so what, I mean, I know it depends on the individual, mm-hmm. but, but what, are, and as you say, folks are going to do what they want to do. Um, but what are some of the factors that, that, or maybe, uh, potholes is a good way to put it that entrepreneurs should think about as they're deciding what direction they take in terms of a a startup, trying to execute that startup, maybe while they're in corporate, um, right. That's a good Uh, point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, or because it's not either or, Mm -hmm. um, some of the considerations that they ought to take into account. Well, I think for the most part, folks get in because they have a, uh, they think they have a good idea and I don't think there's any bad idea per se. There's an audience for everything. Um, there's a customer for pretty much everything. I mean, but the matter it, the, the, the importance is, um, can you get enough customers for that product? And for that company to be profitable, sustainable, so on and so forth. That, mm-hmm. That's where the issue runs into. And a lot of folks start out way too soon trying to chase investors. Like, I, 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 I can't say it in a nice way. They chase investors um, with their idea or with a, with a mock-up, as we would say. Like, okay, this is how it would work. Or even like a, you know, a prototype of their product. And they think, you know, investors should invest in them. It's almost this entitlement. Like, mm. look at this work that I put in. Right. I left my job or, you know, I've taken my savings. You know, I had one one um, client say, well, I've already spent 50000 on this. And I need another twelve. Like, you know, investors could give it to me. I'm like, why? They don't owe you anything. Mm. Right. If all you need is an additional twelve, put it on a credit card. That's mm-hmm. not a venture capitalist request. <laughs> right. Right. And so they chase investors without understanding how angel investing and venture capital works. And they feel entitled to the money. Like it's a pot of money that is, you know, like an SBA loan or something. I don't know, but that's just not how it works. Well, is that because you think underneath the entitlement, there's an insecurity with, where they want that affirmation aff- from mm-hmm. an investor mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. when actually if they would get, that affirmation from like a real client that mm-hmm. might uh, yeah. <laughs> write a check. Right. A customer. Say, <laughs> yeah. Hey, yeah. 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 Um, but that, that part requires, it's, it's interesting to me because they will spend so much energy chasing investors and not chasing customers. And both 
will deliver rejection. But it's almost like they're willing to take the rejection of investors over customers because customers saying they don't want the product. It's different. They can, it's personal. It's, it's personal with investors too, but it's not like I'm selling this product to an investor and I'm letting them, you know, kind of um, give their opinion on the product. When an investor rejects them, they can come up with all reasons why. Oh, he didn't understand it. Right. She didn't get it. Blah, blah, blah. They can blame it on the yes, investor. Yes, they can yeah. blame it on the investor. <laughs> and so the thing is, when, in my work as a consultant, like I, I don't let people fool themselves, right? And so sometimes, um, you know, and I post about this sometimes on LinkedIn, sometimes people don't want to hear the truth. I'm like, you're not paying attention to all the signals from the market. Mm. Customers have told you they don't want this. You're right. Right? right. Um, so what's next, right? Mm. Um, you can change the product. You can change the target customer you're going after. You can change your value proposition. But something has to change. Um but that rejection is something that I see more often than not try to be avoided um, throughout this process. And it's unavoidable as as any type of person that's, that's always reaching and trying to do more in their life. You're going to face rejection, but especially in entrepreneurship, get ready for it. Mm. It's just it is what it is. It's part of it. Folks, we're here chatting with Monique Mills. Monique is the CEO Chief Innovation Strategist of TPM Focus. Monique, you've got some thoughts about someone that's got a tech startup idea who does not have a tech background. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's very common now. Very common now because, um, you know, everyone experiences challenges in their life and in their workplace. And you be like, wow, it would be great if... And it would be great if we had this or this could happen. And so sometimes people take that and be like, you know what? I'm going to create it myself. And they're a non-technical person, but what they're proposing requires development. Mm. And um, I think that anybody can create a business around an idea, right? But I think that most people need to remember it's not going anywhere without developers. And so learning how to engage with developers is so important because it's a different, like it's, it's a different personality type. It's a different, they have a different, uh, I would say priorities than mm-hmm. you. Yeah. Um, their opportunity costs are very high. Um, and you, it's, it's surprising to still see folks um, approach really talented developers and say, hey, I'll give you equity in my company if you built this for me. And in reality, your equity is worth zero dollars. It's, 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 it's worthless. Mm-hmm. Um, and developers have other opportunities and, and different things that they can engage in. And so um, there's a lot of strife in the ecosystem between non-technical folks and developers. Cause one always thinks the other is an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> I can see that. And so, but it's really just um, not understanding what the other needs in their communication. And also developers aren't known for being the most communicable. Mm. And that really bothers because they like they need you to communicate with them and like no 
once they got the assignment and they understand, they put their headphones on and they're going to work. They're mm-hmm. not going to be commu- unless you have agreements in place. Like you, you're assuming that they're going to communicate with you and mm-hmm. let you know how things are going. And then when it doesn't happen, it's like, you know, so it's so much confusion just in the development part. Now, anybody can create a tech startup and not be a technical founder. I totally believe that I've seen it happen. Um, but you're not going to go anywhere without a developer right? and knowing how to engage them is so important. Um, I have ex clients who have wasted hundreds of thousands on development that they had to throw away. Mm. And it's because there wasn't enough back and forth communication with the developers. And so the developer made one thing and the founder expected it to work this way. And so then they go and try to find another developer. This is very common. Mm-hmm. Anybody listening who have um, been through this, you know exactly what I'm saying. <laughs> so they try to go find another developer and say, hey, just clean up this code. Like it just needs to do this. And they'll say, look at the code and say, well, I can't clean that up. I, I have to start from scratch. Oh, boy. And then that keeps happening over and over again until the founder just like gives up. Like this is very, very common in the, in the um the non-tech um, founder world. And next thing you know, there are 10,000, 20,000, 30, 60, 80, 401ks is blown. Um, credit cards are maxed out and they still don't even have a product. Mm. Wow. Um, yeah. And part of the problem here is underestimating the cost of uh, the investment needed, right? Exactly. Yeah. Because it it seems to me one of the immutable laws of a startup is you're always going to need more capital than you think you're going to. Oh, yeah. (laughs) More capital, more time. Right. uh, More everything. More resources. And so um, I think a lot of times most people have never really engaged with a developer before. Like they've never worked with them in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And so I tell folks, I'm like, I went to college with these guys and Mm -hmm. and women. Like Mm -hmm. it's a different personality type. Mm. And and um, you have to, like, understand how they work. Your first time engaging in a relationship with a developer should not be when you're founding a startup and it's desperate for someone to put together a prototype for you. Mm. Like, yeah, that's not the first time to, to start doing that. Folks, we're here chatting with Monique Mills. Monique, uh, her firm is TPM Focus, and she's the founder, CEO of her firm, Monique, you and I were chatting a little bit before we came on the air about marketing. And one of the things that you said was uh, it's 100% across the board for every client you've had. They don't understand Mm -hmm. what marketing is Mm -hmm. and what it's all about. Explain why you see that. Yeah. Well, for most of the folks I work with, um, they're, very accomplished already in their own right. Um, some are engineers and technology folks. Others are um, lawyers and, and just different things, uh, you know, professionally they've done in their lives. Um, but none of their previous experience in, in their career required them to understand marketing, see, see how it works, why things are done the way it is. Um, a lot of them still think marketing is printing pretty brochures and, you know, just posting on social media. That's what it seems like. Cause it's the outside you're looking at it from the outside looking in. And it seems very basic, like just throw some stuff together. Right. And, um, a hundred percent of my clients, like those who really understand marketing, 
um, even if they have a crappy product, they still end up getting traction somehow. And I mean, traction in the marketplace, traction with investors, um, because they know how to appeal to the human senses. Mm. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, and so it's a, it's a slicker way of going about it. Those who, who number one, don't have the communication skills, don't have the network, blah, blah, blah. Like marketing is really their, their, their challenge. Um, and sales is too, because they're not really into trying to influence people on doing things their way. I may, I'm, I'm going to make this point. Um, I've brought it up in the past on even my own, my own podcast where we were talking about uh, talking to other engineers and mm-hmm. we were just saying in corporate, we really thought we were the most important people in the company. <laughs> like <laughs> you wouldn't have a product to sell. This marketing team is useless without us. Like you literally thought you were the most important cog in that wheel. Mm. And therefore you didn't pay attention to what the sales folks or marketing folks or how important their role was. Cause in reality, without sales, there's no company. Right. Uh, and I learned that early in my career. The good thing is a lot of these lessons I learned early, um, but most people have not been in that position to, to, to understand um, the role that these things play in the success of a company. It's not just the product. Right. So <laughs> let's talk a little bit about um, maybe what, what, and I think some of this is in, it should be intuitive now that we've had the discussion we've had for our listeners, but how does a company know uh, that they should hire you? I mean, what, what, what characteristics do they need to be seeing in their startup Mm -hmm. to know they need to pick up the phone and call Dr. Mills, (laughs) (laughs) the the startup doctor. (laughs) I would say the number one thing um, my clients experience is confusion. Hmm. It is confusion um, and not getting the results they expected from all of the work they're putting in. They're exhausted Mm -hmm. and still have no revenue or very little. Still don't have that flywheel going. And um, they can't figure out why. I have a great product. I have this. You know, I have an intern posting on social media. I mean, we have swag bags. We took professional photos. And none of that stuff matters. Like, in reality... You can get early customers. You can get a product bill. All of those things. We're having no social media, nothing. Mm. You just have to understand the fundamentals and actually execute on it. So for for those who reach out to me, they're usually already frustrated and confused about like, why isn't this working? Mm. And with my focus on revenue, I always say revenue is an indication. It's a, it's a huge indicator on if you're doing something right. Um, with no revenue, that should be a red flag for you to step back and take another look. And a lot of times you're in an eco chamber and it's a lot of the same advice or wrong advice from too many people. And that's where a lot of confusion comes from. Listening to too many people reading too much on social media, reading too many books. And like I always say, you should be able to count your advisors on one hand and really only three fingers. I mean, you can have tons of people that you respect and value their opinion. But as far as what you do in your business, I Mm -hmm. say it shouldn't be more than three people and they should know each other. You should introduce them. Should you meet together? Well, in my business, what I do is once a quarter, well, it depends on the company. Um, once a quarter, we'll all meet together, like have an advisory board meeting with uh, other people that they're getting um, advice from. Mm-hmm. We meet, 
Zoom, whatever it is, and we help all at the same time with the person. Um, it's very similar to a, you know a board meeting they would have once they um, um, get investment from right. venture capitalists. So we do we have like a board a board meeting for mm-hmm. them, um, and it's very helpful because we get insight onto into what the others are thinking and how they're advising the company. And, and I'm going to tell you for the best founders, um, somehow they have a, a skill in putting the right teams together, which is what you need mm-hmm. even mm-hmm. to build out the company. They sure. have the skill set to recognize, you know, John has this um, expertise. Monique has this, mm-hmm. this person has that. And we really, we don't step on each other's toes. Mm. And so they've learned how to put together a team that can be most helpful to them. And so, yeah. Yep. Okay. So let's talk a little bit about uh, clients that may need your services and what, like, how does a, your first consultation, how does that roll out? I mean, how, what, what are, what are, uh, what does somebody need to be prepared for mm-hmm. when they talk to you for the first time? Well, for the first time, I, I usually, I, I've had so many consultations, literally hundreds. Mm-hmm. Um, I usually get a sense for what your product is, who you're trying to reach, why, mm-hmm. why do they care? And, mm. and I say that like, who cares? Why do they care? Right. Um, and I would say, how do you know? My, my first consultations is actually more of questions. And the entrepreneur is just like, I don't know. Well, this is what I think. And and the thing is, the more I hear, I think, I think, I think, I think, I know that they don't know. Mm. And you need to remove that. I think the whole point of what we need to do is experiment and remove that. I think, and replace that with, I know this. Right. And so, um, that that's, that's typically one of the the biggest things. So I want to know what's, what's the product, what kind of traction you have thus far, what challenges do you have right now? Um, sometimes people think my challenge is marketing uh, most of the time. Cause they'll see, okay. Uh, you know, I have a marketing, uh, marketing strategy company. So I need marketing. And when I'll have this conversation with them and I'll even go and check out their marketing thus far, or they'll send me things like their pitch deck and, you know, so on and so forth. I'm like, marketing is not your issue. The issue is you don't know who your customer is. Mm. And they like, well, no, I think that uh, you just started the sentence with, I think, <laughs> Caught you again. (laughs) (laughs) And they're like, oh, you're right. You're right. I'm like, well, if you're selling this product to, let's say, attorneys and no attorneys are buying it, Mm -hmm. but you got a whole lot of freelancers that have signed up to use it. Your customers, freelancers, is not attorneys, Mm. right? Um, If you want to serve attorneys, you may need to change your positioning and your messaging. And most of the time they're like, what's that? Because again, my clients aren't versed in marketing. Right. So, but I tell them we have to start with the strategy first. Then we get into your positioning and your messaging. And, you know, we go from there and um, it doesn't take a long time. Like sometimes everything is crammed into a short amount of time because they need to hurry up. They're running out of money. Sure. Um, And so things are crammed in a short amount of time versus, you know, stretching it over, you know, three months to figure it out. But Yeah. So, Monique, this this, this is um, I could talk to you for all day, but uh, we, <laughs> we we got to let you get get on with uh, the great work you do. But 
Um, but before we kind of bring things to a close, I'd love it if you could maybe share a success story. Uh, and you don't have to mention names, of course, but um, a, a situation where your intervention has been crucial and timely. Yeah. It's and I, I feel very blessed to have had opportunity to help people um, figure things out when they were most vulnerable and afraid to tell people that things weren't working. Mm-hmm. Um, um, I have one client who had, you know, had another firm help them with customer discovery, which customer discovery is basically going out there interviewing p- the potential market that you want to sell to and basically asking how they do things now. You know, mm. not telling them what your product is and what you plan to do. That's that's the hard part that people can't get. But they hired someone outside to do that for them. And I never suggest that. Never suggest that. Um, and so when we met, they they were lucky enough to get some good information from that um, discovery. But they still had to go out there and do it on their own. Mm-hmm. And so um, helping them compose the questions, finding the right um uh, the right opportunities to talk to people mm-hmm. and um, interview and then cre- creating well, making tweaks to their application after that conversation. Cause what was happening was they had a few conversations. Well, that the team they hired had a few conversations and from that they're off to the races building mm. this technology, mm. but it was not being purchased because it was anecdotal the the in the insight you got was anecdotal. It wasn't enough to go off and build a company, and that's what a lot of people do. So I took them back, and this is what typically happens with all my clients: take them back to customer discovery. Let's get some more in, intel, and we can still use some of the intel you have. I'm not saying you got to start from scratch, um, but let's use some of the intel and build the technology from there. Uh, uh you know, bare bones. Mm. You're still going to need some people right. because your technology is not going to do everything because we don't want you to overbuild. Um, this company is now at this point on just a prototype. Now they build, they've grown so fast. <laughs> they're now rushing to build a more stable tool. And this is what happens sometimes too, because when you hit product market fit, it happens so quickly and suddenly that you can't keep up with the demand. And so your technology will quote unquote break. Mm-hmm. So you'll have, you know, things break down because it's not used to the traffic and all those things. But this company off of that prototype alone have made $5 million off of something that doesn't even work fully. Like it still has people manually doing things behind the scenes. And right now they're, you know, going through the process to um, create their requirements. And I'm still working with them on this, um, create their requirements and get some help for their development team. All of these things are, are something that's new to someone who's a non-technical founder. This Mm -hmm. is a non-technical founder who had a great idea from their experience in the world and um, decided to create something, which it could have been catastrophic if we did not meet as early as we did in the process. Catastrophic, because they had the money to waste, as, as I say. Oh, boy. Yeah, they had the money to waste. Right. And when I'm coming in talking about all these things, it don't cost money, but it will take you thinking about stuff. You can't just outsource everything as a startup and not know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. Um, and when people have money, that's what they tend to do. And I put a stop to that. I was like, no, 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 you need to understand these things. Um, not that you need to be a developer. That's not it, but you need to understand what the requirements are and why. And, um, even if you just sketched out how it's supposed to, the app is supposed to work, involve yourself. Um, but yeah, there are 5 million off this little prototype. So wow, proud of them. Yeah. That's what a great story. 
Monique Mills with TPM Focus. She's the CEO. And if you have a tech startup and you haven't had a conversation with Monique, you've got something on your to-do list. <laughs> so let's, Monique, give folks uh, the directions on how they can be in touch. Well, the best way to reach me is probably um, through LinkedIn, I would say. Mm -hmm. um, that's where I'm most active. Um, but of course, you can always go to tpmfocus.com. And, and I also have, which I think everyone should have. Uh, I'm not judging if you don't own the domain name for your name. But mm -hmm. that's one of the things that um, I think is important uh, moving forward. So I, I own moniquemills.com mm -hmm. and moniquemills.biz. And you can reach or learn more about me through there. Um, a lot of people want to know about me um, before they do business, and I can understand that. So I share, um, you know, I share as much as I can, and, and this this interview will be posted there. Awesome. Well, and I would, I mean, I I follow you on LinkedIn. You're 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 always giving great content and guidance, and I highly highly recommend this to folks you're one of my linkedin heroes so thank Thanks, you for John. yeah so are you well thank you but this is about you you do great <laughs> such great work and uh so folks just uh if, if you just do that to get to know monique you'll you'll want to be in touch i promise you so uh monique mills tpm focus oh and we need to shout out your podcast too Let's let's shout out oh. real real quick because <laughs> you you do a, you do great work with your own podcast. So let's shout that out as well. Yeah, unpolished MBA. Mm -hmm. I I love the show, but I have entrepreneurs on and those that um I, I call it unpolished MBA because people think they need an MBA or formal business whatever to to be a good entrepreneur. It's not true. If you listen in, you'll see all these folks who who figured it out, but mm -hmm. also got help. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Terrific. Yeah, be, be sure and listen to that on your favorite podcast app, right? Yeah, all of them. Yeah. Unpolished MBA. I love it. Monique Mills, TPM Focus, thanks again for coming on. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Hey, folks, just a uh, quick thought. If you've got a team-building event you're planning, but you find out of great ideas, well, here's the idea that you need. Andrew Traub and his team at ANS Culinary Concepts, sure, they do corporate catering and they do big green big big green egg boot camps easy for me to say but they also do corporate team building events and they are a lot of fun and they don't require uh, putting yourself out on some uh, limb somewhere where you might break your uh, ankle or or uh, bruise your knee or whatever um it's uh, they're you're right there in their um award-winning culinary studio with all your team members and it's a lot of fun so if you want to know more, call Andrew at 678-336-9196 or go to asculinaryconcepts.com. I think you'll be glad you did. And folks, uh, North Fulton Business Radio is a search term. If you are have not subscribed to the show, we would love it if you would do that and share the show. Um, if you have heard something here that uh, you think uh, maybe a colleague or a friend needs to hear we'd love it if you would share the show we're all about celebrating the great work of business leaders like monique and uh we're we're we love what they do and and uh we want to be uh celebrate that work so if you could help us help them we would appreciate it so for my guest monique mills i'm john ray join us next time here on north fulton business radio